Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, featured columnist at CLNS Radio and executive producer of the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the web, Celtics Beat. And now, author. That's right, author. My debut book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, How Bad Luck, Bad Decisions Brought the Mighty Celtics Empire to Its Knees and Ushered in the Dark Ages, has already been called the definitive account of the infamous doldrum period in Celtics history. You think the Celtics are struggling now? Well, you've got quite a short memory. Get the inside story from executives, general managers, staffs, players, media, fans, you name it, as I take you through a time in which how the Boston Celtics fell from the shining city on the hill and became entrenched in purgatory. And you'll see why. That's Fall of the Boston Celtics, available on clnsradio.com on January 5th. And you can't wait for the release? Well, tweet the hashtag, Fall of the Boston Celtics, to me, at clns underscore lhr. That's hashtag, Fall of the Boston Celtics, at clns underscore lhr. And we'll pick one lucky follower and hand out a free copy on the January 4th episode of Celtics Beat. And now, on to your regularly scheduled programming. Well, hello, Patriots fans, and welcome to another edition of Patriots Beat. I hope everyone had a great holiday, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, along with a happy new year. It's our first uh, show of the new year, and what a show we have, talking about the New England Patriots and their divisional match, Baltimore Ravens. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter, joined by the two Bobs, Bob Snowden, Bob Kvitsky, at Snowden, underscore 91. Boys, how you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good. I hope uh, everybody's all excited about this Saturday's game. Doing fantastic as well, Jeff. And Bob, what a difference that it makes. The last time we were doing a show, the Patriots had just beat the Raiders, and things looked pretty bad in here in New England. It was not a pretty week, even though they won, was it? No, things have certainly changed for the better. Exactly, guys. Patriots finished the season, and they've got the first round by, but lo and behold, they go up against the Baltimore Ravens, a team that a lot of New England Patriots very scared of this team, and it could be because John Harbaugh and uh, Joe Flacco have come into Gillette Stadium twice after the 2009 season and again after the and defeated the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium one time in the uh, AFC Championship game, the other time in the opening round. But it's a new team. This Patriots team is different than those teams. In 2009, they had just lost Wes Welker to a devastating knee injury, and there was no way that that team was be successful in my eyes. The 2012 uh, Ravens were a team of destiny, if you should say. They needed to get, we need to just get that chance. Look at us. I'm Ray Lewis. You know, and that's what it was. That's what it was right there. And the Patriots got their their doors knocked in by the Baltimore Ravens. 
what are your thoughts on this matchup with the Baltimore Ravens? Well, first of all, I'm I'm sorry, Bobby. Jeff, it'll probably work better if you name us when you ask a question, or Bobby and I are going to both be talking all over each other here. I'd have to use last names. (laughs) I I use... So, Bob Snowden, let's hear. Let, let's hear. Okay. I, this Patriots team is different, and, and you and I have talked about this. This is a tough team. This team was built for a playoff run. In the past, if you looked at the Patriots team, they were more finesse. They were much more built for the regular season. And when they got into games like they're going to have Saturday against those physical teams, uh, they they just couldn't put up. They couldn't do what they needed to do, uh, whether it was the Giants in the Super Bowls, whether it was the Ravens. Uh, they just didn't play well against other physical teams. This year, the Pats strike me as a very physical team. They can match anyone in the physicality of the game. So this is a playoff team that was built for the playoffs, We'll have to see what happens. I think that they are player for player, a better team than Baltimore. I think they proved that during the regular season. Baltimore had some struggles. I know Patriot fans are worried because it's Baltimore, but I'd rather play the best and get to the Super Bowl beating a Baltimore, beating a Denver, and then beating either a Seattle or a Green Bay than I would mauling teams that really shouldn't be there. I mean, the worst Super Bowl in the world would be the Patriots against Carolina because it didn't mean anything. I want to walk away from this with people forgetting about Spygate, forgetting about cheating. There's no excuses, no one that they can blame for the Patriots not getting there because they didn't play someone else. I see what you're saying there, Bob. Definitely see what you're saying. Let's talk to Bobby here. Bobby, what are your Ravens team? Yeah, it's certainly not the same Ravens team that stomped the Patriots in the playoffs a couple of years back. However, it's still very much the same identity. The torch has been passed from Ray Lewis and Ed Reed to Terrell Suggs, and he's had a very productive year coming off the edge. He's a physical player who plays smash-mouth football, which is always fun to watch. And I know people worry about going up against a physical team like the Ravens, saying this is the worst matchup that the Patriots could have drawn out of the three possibilities. And while that may be true, people are downplaying how much tougher the Patriots have gotten this year with additions such as Darrell Revis, such as Brandon Browner, and even Brandon LaFell, on the offensive side of the football is a physical wide receiver, a presence that they haven't had these last couple trips to the postseason. No, I couldn't agree with you more there, Bobby. I sit there and I look back at what it was like to be a New England Patriots follower, you know, in 2003 and 2003, when the Patriots played back-to-back MVPs of the league in Steve McNair and, and, Peyton Manning, both of them shared the MVP. And we weren't scared of these teams. We had a feeling that the New England Patriots could be victorious. And I don't know where that feeling went. 
It could, they lost the last two Super Bowls. It could be that they haven't won in a championship since 2004. But this team, to me, is very well equipped. We remember that gauntlet of six games back to back to back when they played, you know, the Peyton Mannings, Andrew Lux, Matthew Staffords, Aaron Rodgers, a trip to play San Diego. This is a team that played against the the uh, division winners or, or the leading uh, division players uh, in Cincinnati, Denver, and up by 20 points. Yes, you're going up against a Ravens team, and yes, this Ravens team can get after the quarterback with just rushing four. And if that's the case, it'll be a tough matchup for the New England Patriots. However, the Patriots have their starting five offensive linemen back now. In 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 uh, Dan Connolly, the rookie Stork, uh, Ryan Wendell, and Sebastian Bulmer. This was the the five men that they had for that eight-game stretch where they really dominated. A good play from this offensive line. Bobby Kay, let me hear your thoughts on this offensive line moving forward. Yeah, and like you said with the Patriots and how they handled that six-game gauntlet, ever since the team corrected itself, and they've answered every challenge, and this offensive line has been a huge part of that. When that got fixed, they answered every challenge just like this team did. They've held their own against different types of challenges, whether it be DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller off the edge, whether it be the front line of the Detroit Lions, one of the best in football with Indomitian Sioux. They've answered a variety of different challenges. So I understand why people are scared, and the line has looked shaky the last month of the regular season, but they were not at full health. And when at full strength, when they had their five guys, they looked good. So I certainly think that they've earned a degree of confidence going into the playoffs. Let me ask you this because we – Go ahead. You you jump right in there, Bob. I'm sorry, Jeff. I knew he was through, and I figured we'd try and roll through, but I'm I'm sorry. You you had something you were going to say and follow up with Bobby, so you do that, and then I'll give my comments on the question. Well, I want to ask you, because we all know how much you love the tight end. Having Rob Gronkowski healthy for this game helped not only Tom Brady, but that offensive line. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that Gronk makes a huge difference in this game. Um, He hasn't made it through the playoffs during his career, and we're all keeping our fingers crossed that he does. He's the healthiest he has been going into the playoffs. Uh, And I think he makes a huge difference. I'll tell you the one that makes a difference, uh, and and that's going to be the key for the Patriots, is is your man, Brian Stork. He has got to have a good game. He, He will be going against probably one of the best nose tackles uh, coming up the middle, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. I'm, I'm certain Halati Ngata, uh, who returns after being suspended for four games. He returned last week against the, uh, the Steelers and had a sack, batted down a pass, uh, four hurries. Uh, it, that, that was pretty impressive, what he did in his first game back. And uh, we all know that Brady when he gets rushed up the middle, has more trouble. Uh, yes, the other, the, the ends, the defensive ends are going to be an issue, but I'm more concerned if they get up the middle and get pressure against Brady. 
um, which is why I, I really think they're going to spread out early in the game and those quick passes that we've talked about many times and possibly the hurry-up offense so that Baltimore doesn't get a chance to establish their defense. Every single Ravens game from their first game against the Cincinnati Bengals to uh, last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And one common thing that happened this season in their six losses versus their 11 wins is the fact that in in their six losses, they only had eight sacks. You had the quarterback getting the ball out quick. You had a team, while they did not give up many, uh, a single 100-yard rusher. There were games that they round uh, to a, a collection of running backs. And I think that might be the big thing for the Patriots here is, yes, spreading them out could could help a lot. Uh, they well in their Week 16 matchup, a game in which they won. Uh, they spread that ball out with Case Keenum as the quarterback and were able to really do some damage defense with three-step drops, with play-action passes. They did some really nice draws and zone runs out of the shotgun with Arian Foster. So I believe that could... We saw the Patriots going up against a very physical front in the the Detroit Lions, and they were able to get away and throw those quick passes and establish play-actions. Bobby K, let me ask you a little bit about what you think the game plan can be moving forward. Jeff, we've seen that this offense is at its best when it's in the no-huddle, hurry-up offense, when it's doing quick hitters rather than trying to attack deep down the field. So I know people are focused on the fact that the Ravens' secondary is the most vulnerable. That doesn't mean necessarily that you have to attack them deep down the field. I look at a player like Brandon LaFell, who's effective outside the numbers. I think he could potentially have a big game. Certainly health is a part of that. I expect the Patriots to chip off the edges, whether that be tight ends or running backs. I think you're going to see a lot of Gronk split out wide. And, you know, it's all about, like you said, being able to throw off the timing of that Ravens defense. And once you go in, like Bob said, to that no-huddle offense, then you can start creating mismatches. You can get them winded and really have your way. Oh, exactly. I, I agree with you there that they can get out there and hopefully get this team winded. Uh, you know, in uh, Elvis Dumerville and Terrell Suggs, if you can get them to a point where they cannot just pin their ears back and get after Tom Brady, if you place here, yes, you can spread them out. Yes, you can use that no huddle. But if you can use a play calling, and, and Josh McDaniels has to have a very good play calling game this week. He cannot too reliant on certain plays. He has to be able to not trick the Ravens, but to be able to keep the Ravens honest. Bob Snowden, what do you think about how Josh McDaniels honest? Well, and you and I have discussed, I know in the past, how important the running game is. McDaniels, in many instances, deserted it long before we all felt he should have. In this game, it's kind of, and I want to say it was a de- Detroit game, Jeff. You and I were talking about them passing to set up the run. And I think this is one of those games. Uh, I am a little concerned that Baltimore was so good last week against Pittsburgh batting down passes. Yeah, they sacked uh, 
Roethlisberger five times, but they also knocked down a bunch of passes. And towards the end of the season, that was happening to Brady a lot, too. Jeff, what are your thoughts on, even if they don't get the pass rush, the skills of the Ravens in knocking down passes? Well, I think that was as you said, if they weren't going at there, they dropped back and they just jumped up. We saw that happen uh, to Tom Brady in the first half of the last game of the season that were able to step up and, and knock the pass down. Uh, one of the things that I will say about the Ravens' victory last week, um, they really and that game really turned to me, if you ask, on the uh, Ben Tate fumble. Ben Tate was signed by the by the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers early. They were running the ball fairly well against the Ravens. He fumbled the ball. Steelers kept it kept it with Antonio Brown uh, getting the getting the fumble recovery. Stopped going to Ben Tate, and they went to the rookie. I believe his name was Harris, um, and they just could not get that running game going. So the Ravens kind of knew put the ball on Ben Roethlisberger's shoulders, and even when they couldn't get in there, they were jumping up. They would only rush three. They would rush four. You know, at some points they would and they would have, a, you know, a, basically a defensive lineman as a spy who would sit in the middle of the field, and when they tried to run those crossing routes to Antonio Brown or, or Marcus they would jump up. So I think that's the big reason we need to see, uh, you know, them stick to a balanced game plan this week. Yeah, I, I agree. And I I think that that McDaniels won't, I, I hope, I pray, won't try to be cute and go into the game thinking, well, they're expecting us to pass, so we're going to just jam it down their throat early. Uh, he, he gets too cute sometimes and tries to think what the other team is thinking so he does the opposite of what they expect. I do want them to run the ball. I think a balanced offense is, is, has proven to be critical throughout the year and the games they won when they went on their, their hot streak, when the Patriots went on the hot streak, um, was right after they got LeGarrette Blunt, right after Gray really piled up yardage against Indy. Uh, so, you know, they're capable of running... You do have to seriously look, though, that that Baltimore is giving up only 88 yards a game in rushing, yet they are giving up a lot in passing. And, and as Bobby said, that may be a little deceptive, uh, but still, their secondary is, is not very good. And I don't see the long deep pass, because Brady hasn't been affected with the deep pass this year at all. And none of the wide receivers or the receivers, period, are deep threats. Uh, you, you know, LaFell's big yardage came after the catch, uh, and that's been a big difference this year because he is a tough runner. Uh, so his, his yak has been very good uh, this year. Edelman, the same way. Uh, Gronk. I mean, they, these are guys that end up with high yardage, but a good bit of it is after they catch the ball. And if they catch the ball in that gap between the linebackers and the safety and the cornerbacks, that, that, that hole that's there, uh, they can gain some big yardage and have some deceptively big yardage passes only because of the, the yards after catch. Well, let's switch 
because we've talked about how the Patriots' offense can go up and attack the uh, the Baltimore defense and how the offensive line will will hold up against the the uh, last you guys this right here. Joe Flacco has been a tremendous tremendous playoff quarterback. How can the New England pay this team? Bobby K, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's going to come down to being disciplined. It's exactly the type of offense that, as a linebacker, you hate going up against where they're going to cut block you constantly. They run that zone blocking scheme that Kubiak has brought over from Denver and then when he was the head coach of the Texans more recently where the backside of this defense is going to have to stay disciplined, going to have to protect their legs. They can't afford to get cut down and create cutback lanes for Justin Forsett, who's had a very good year after being cut by the Jaguars just a season ago. And it also means that the linebackers cannot over-pursue. So Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, these are two very smart linebackers, and that's going to have to be on full display come Saturday afternoon because if they overcommit. It's going to create those cutback lanes that Justin Forsett has taken advantage of all season long. Snowden, what is your thoughts on this uh, Patriots defense versus the Ravens offense? Well, number one, they're the healthiest they have been all year. Um, I look at this defense physically and say they should be able to stop the Ravens offense. The Ravens offense is not that great. Uh, it it you know, when you look at their running back, and, and as Bobby just mentioned, and, and talk about uh, Justin Forsett, uh, he, yes, he had 1,200 yards uh, and 235 carries, and, and he did average 5.4 yards a carry. So he is going to be a key to stop, and, and most of his running from last week was cutbacks. He sees that hole very well. It's hard to believe that he was sitting out there for anybody uh, to sign last offseason, and no one thought he would have the year he's had. So I, I don't want to put him down, but I do think the Patriots can stop him. I look at the receiving team uh, and, and Steve Smith, who, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw it or not today, made a great, gave a great compliment to Daryl Revis when asked the question about comparing Revis to Tlaib, who last year, obviously, he and Tlaib had some, had some rounds they went in the game when he was still back with Carolina. And, and if you look at Revis, he's a different type of player, but the comment that Smith made was basically, and I'm paraphrasing, when I played against Tlaib, it was like playing checkers. When I play against Revis, it's like chess. And, and to me, that was just such a great comment. Definitely is. Definitely is a very good comment. I, uh, I look at this, uh, this uh, def- off- defensive game plan. I'm sitting there and I'm saying, stop the run. Stop Justin Forsett. And I'll give you guys two words. Romeo Cornell. Romeo Cornell, of course, the uh, three times the coordinator for the New England Patriots. is now the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. In that game against the Texans in week 16, they held Justin Forsett for 19 yards. Joe Flacco was three of his first 18 at halftime for only 27 yards 
and two interceptions. It was J- the J.J. Watt show. Well, he was only sacked uh, one time in the beginning of that uh, game. They got constant pressure on him, and Flacco into any throw. And I'm going to look at the uh, Houston Texans, and outside of J.J. Watt, I'll take every single New England Patriots defender defenders right now. Uh, I, again, outside of J.J. Watt, I think you could see Belichick and um, Matt Patricia adopt a little bit of their old friend as a game plan. What are your thoughts, Bobby Kay? Yeah, I agree with that. And, Jeff, because I know you watched the film on that Houston game, Joe Flacco, who's constantly referred to as being unflappable, he sees J.J. Watt and becomes an entirely different person. Something about J.J. Watt's presence just changes Joe Flacco and gets in his head entirely. I'm sure that popped up on film when you were watching because he just becomes an entirely different quarterback for whatever reason. And overall, in terms of adopting what Romeo Crennel did, I absolutely think that's the case. Now, the key is going to be, like I said before, discipline. Crennel figured out how to attack that Raven zone blocking scheme, and he figured out how to make sure that Flacco didn't burn them with the deep ball, whether that be completions or drawing pass interference. And a lot of that has to do with smart football, and that's what the Patriots are going to have to show. The key to stopping that zone blocking is taking away four sets, cutback lanes, not giving him holes to run through. And in order to do that, you can't allow yourself to be taken out of the play, especially on the back side of it, where Forsett's going to be looking to take advantage of cutback lanes. And then in terms of the passing game, everyone talks about Brandon Browner and how many penalties that he's drawn since you know coming into the rotation in that secondary and becoming the full-time starter. He's really the one who's going to have to play smart football in that group because we know that Revis doesn't get called for a lot, gets away with a lot of stuff. Browner, on the other hand, Flacco's going to be looking to target him, and the refs are going to be watching him all game long. Well, and I don't see, I, I don't see Browner intimidating Steve Smith. Steve Smith is not a player that, that you intimidate. He's a tough little hard-nosed player. But after Steve Smith, you know, you've got Torrey Smith and, and Owen Daniels, the the Ravens don't have another receiver that caught 50 or more passes. Uh, they spread it out, uh, including to Forsett, who had 44 receptions. But I, Browner, to me, when Browner is playing his best is when he's physical. And I would hate to see him back off that physical game uh, because he gets worried about getting a penalty. Um, you've seen some things in the playoffs that the officials are letting some things go uh, that they weren't letting go during the regular season, and usually that, yeah, and usually that happens in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I'm not as worried about him getting a penalty or two or three. I want them to be short yardage penalties. I don't want to see a pass interference for a 40 yard penalty. Uh, but when he nails a receiver coming across the middle. Uh, once in a while, I think that's good because it makes them think twice when they try and come over the middle. So, I, you know, Browner has got to play under control, but I don't want him to play under so much control that he loses that aggressiveness that makes him different because he's not a great cornerback, and he's not a good cover cornerback at all. So he's got to use his size 
his intimidation uh, to stop the opposing team's receiver, whoever it may be. And it will be interesting to see who matches up against who. I mean, I, I would think that they'll end up with Revis going against Smith. Uh, but after that, it's kind of a, a shot in the dark. Jeff, how do you think they'll match up against the receivers? Jeff? I think you're going to see uh, Steve Smith um, lined up right across from uh, a lot, and then you'll see Brandon Browner with help over the top from Devin McCourty uh, on Tory Smith. But uh, CLS Radio is the best of written and spoken about our YouTube, www.youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. There we have live look-ins after each Boston Bruins and Boston Celtics game in the locker room for the Boston Bruins and uh, put up stuff on the CLNS YouTube channel. Of course, check it out after every single game. High-definition locker room interviews. The Garden Report HD post-game show shot right on the parquet floor at the TD Garden. Bob, let me pass it back to you and ask you this, because over the check has done such a great job against Gary Kubiak's offense, uh, especially when he was in Houston. Remember the playoff game a couple of years ago where they absolutely destroyed them, and also later in that season, this was 2012 that I'm talking about, where they absolutely took it to the Houston Texans. Can we expect the same type of defense can be defense shut down this zone running scheme and what they've been able to do here with Baltimore in their first year under Gary Kubiak. Is this for me or Bobby? No, I don't care. Either one of you. <laughs> well, you said Bob at the beginning, but then we're both Bob, so I, I hesitated. I, can they shut down the running attack? Yes. When they've had to this year, they have stopped the running attack, and they're great against the run, but they have stopped other than game one with no Sean Marino, who obviously, uh, he, if he played the Patriots every week, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. But other than that, they did an adequate job of stopping the run throughout most of the season, even against some pretty good running backs, some teams that were capable of, of putting up large yardage. And the Patriots especially down in the red zone, just could hold teams up. Their red zone defense has been spectacular in forcing teams to kick field goals rather than end up with touchdowns. And even when a team is in close inside the five-yard line with first down, they that's when the defense has really shined and pushed teams back. So are they capable of doing it? Yes. Um, I worry uh, about Baltimore's running game. But if Baltimore runs the game, runs and runs and runs, then I think the Patriots will win. I, I, I don't think that either team's running game is going to dictate how the game ends. Um, I, I really feel this is not going to be a matchup as much as people are saying about Brady versus Flacco as it is the defenses against the defenses. Yeah, Jeff, this is a Patriots defense that, between adding Allen Branch and getting Silver Saliga back, have really fortified the middle. And you look at the fact they've averaged 
104 rushing yards per game opponents against the Patriots, it'd probably be below 100 if it weren't for two or three games that can easily be written off and don't reflect the way that this run defense has performed as of even dating all the way back, as a matter of fact, to that six-game gauntlet. So going through about the second half of the season, the run defense has been pretty solid, and I do think that Baltimore is going to struggle unless that they have success in chopping down the Patriots' defensive linemen. But running the ball has not proven to be as easy as you might think or as teams are used to having that type of success against the Patriots' defense. So I don't really see that coming into as big of play here as it has in years past or even earlier in the season before they solidified things up front. Well, and, and I wrote a column earlier about the unsung heroes, those that you, you don't read about, the forgotten few. You just named two of them that I had named in there uh, that, that have made a big difference to this team, uh, and that's Alan Branch, you know, six foot six, 325 pounds. He actually stepped in and took the role that we all expected Tommy Kelly to have uh, and has done a good job, especially while Saliga was out because Saliga didn't play 11 games. He went 11 straight games. Uh, and when he came back, he was just as effective in the game he came back. In fact, it was the San Diego game. He came back, and he, he despite playing only 25 snaps, he had three tackles, a, a sack of rivers, and, and just played right back where he was before. So I really think that they are very well capable of stopping the run. The other player, Another player that we haven't talked about, a lot here that I think has made a big difference on this year's defense. And when they got him, supposedly he was weak against the run, but I've seen him, and I'm talking about Akeem Ayers, I've seen him make plays against the run that kind of shocked him because my impression when they got him, he's kind of small for his position, but that he would be a good pass rusher, which he has been. But he's also made some good plays against the, the run. So, I, I'm really not afraid of the Baltimore running game. Things I want to say here, Bob, and you bring up Akeem Ayers, who, after Chandler Jones came back from uh, his hip injury, his his snaps have have dwindled a little bit. I actually, see the New England Patriots uh, using Akeem Ayers a little more because I believe with Baltimore's attack that the Patriots will be in more of their base defense, and I think that. Rob Nikovich and uh, Chandler Jones as your rush ends uh, with uh, Will Fork and then, of course, the Silva Salinga, Chris Jones, and Alan Branch in the defensive tackle spot. And then you're going to have Jamie Collins and uh, Hightower as your uh, as your linebackers. You're going to need a third linebacker, and it's going to either be Jonathan Casillas or Akeem Ayers. And I think Ayers brings in that that other uh, end-of-the-line rusher that they can use, and they can send different blitz packages if with Akeem Ayers in there. Bobby K., your thoughts on Akeem Ayers stepping in as a linebacker this week? Yeah, and one of the things that, not to say that Casillas has done a bad job, but it's certainly not a direction I would have gone in, is that when they're in that base defense that you mentioned, it's been Casillas as the third linebacker. It really has not been Akeem Ayers since Chandler Jones came back. He's had the same role, just greatly reduced. So I would like it, especially this week against the team that prioritizes the run, 
to see Akeem Ayers in there as that third linebacker as opposed to Jonathan Casillas, although Casillas is probably a better man coverage linebacker. I still think between Ayers' ability to hold the edge and get after the quarterback that he's a better fit for the position. And the other player we haven't mentioned at all is Jamie Collins, who has developed this year again from a player that was primarily originally going to be covering the tight end and pass plays. This year he's turned into it. This is because of Revis and, and Browner and the additions the Patriots have. He's moved his game up, and he's playing well against the run uh, and also getting in on the quarterback more than anyone anticipated earlier this year. Uh, so earlier this year when I was complaining that they were thin at linebackers, uh, they made moves, and the moves they made now, to me, has that linebacker core pretty solid. I mean, when they signed Ayers, he was actually a middle linebacker, although you're right, Bobby, they then moved him to the outside. But his role was as a middle linebacker in, in Tennessee. Let me ask you guys this right now, because we've talked about the offense. All know Belichick's love for special teams and how he has more special teams players on his uh, roster than almost any other uh, NFL team. We was a special teams uh, assistant coach, a special teams coach, uh, not only with uh, Detroit and uh, Denver, but then when he first went to the New York Giants, he was a special on to defense coordinator. John Harbaugh, also a special teams uh, coach, coming over and being becoming the head coach of the uh, of the Baltimore as the Philadelphia Eagles um, special teams coordinator and defensive backs coach. Let me ask you guys this right now. All season long, the New England Patriots have had teams. Can they still have that edge? Because I look at who the uh, Ravens have as their specialist. Jacoby Jones is one of the best returners in football. And Tucker, uh, who is almost automatic inside 50. And then, of course, 15-year veteran Shane Leckler, that of the uh, former of the Oakland Raiders, one of the best punchers of Just a uh, wash across the board. Bobby Kay, you first. And it is a watch. It's another area where the Ravens match up tremendously well with the Patriots. We're used to seeing New England have that special teams advantage, not as decisively here, if at all, in fact, Jacoby Jones in the regular season averaged 30.6 yards per kickoff return. That's second best in the league and almost tied for first with Pac-Man Jones. So they're really going to have to do a great job of swarming him, getting to him early, because he's a player who, if Goskowski doesn't kick it out of the end zone, he's probably going to run it out. He's not someone who likes to settle and just take a knee. So they're going to have to get down there quickly, and they're going to have to swarm to him. And it's supposed to be really cold. I know it's really cold right now, and that does impact the special teams. It impacts your depth on your kickoffs. So you may see more kickoff returns than you've seen in most of the Patriots game because Paskowski has been pretty good at, at kicking the ball out of the end zone when he wanted to and when they weren't playing for a shorter kick. Uh, but I think you're going to see shorter kicks. And, yeah, the, the Ravens have a very good special teams core, as do the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots have that advantage they've had in the past. And if you look this year, 
the special teams have been spectacular, whether blocking a field goal, blocking a punt. Uh, they, they just have really done well on special teams. Uh, and they're going to have to be at their peak because Baltimore has some of the best, as you just mentioned, Bobby, special teamers. I think this is a game where we may hear and see more of Matthew Slater, uh, who's an all-pro special teamer. I mean, he's, that's his role. Uh, and he was another one of those forgotten few that I mentioned uh, in the column. He is a key on the special teams. And your favorite player, Jeff, uh, <laughs> Brandon <laughs> Olden, has been great on special teams this year. So can they contain uh, that very good Buffalo special Buffalo? I'm sorry, Baltimore special teams uh, and field goals. I don't think will be as big a factor only because of the cold weather. I don't think you're going to see long field goals. Um, most of the field goals, I believe, will be under 50 yards. Uh, and, and to try one over 50 yards, if it's as bitter cold as it's predicted to be, makes that ball not carry quite as well, and it's a little tougher to kick. Uh, and if it's windy, add that to it. So who knows on special teams, but both these teams do have very good special teams. I'll kick off for Saturday at 4.35 p.m. He's in Foxborough, so we'll see what happens on Sunday night. Have you downloaded the new CLNS Radio free mobile app? Well, if you haven't, you're missing out on some of the on the podcast uh, out there uh, for Boston sports or anything that you like, whether it's the Boston Bruins, Boston Celtics, or New England Patriots post-game shows, Red or Patriots feed, download the CLNS Radio uh, free app by going to the Google Play or iPhone's, uh, iPhone store and search sort of www.clnsradio.com slash Android or www.clnsradio.com. Dot com slash I. Well, now that that's over, guys, let me ask you this. If I were to tell you that these two teams uh, were virtually even across the board on offense, well, neither one of you guys want to believe me. <laughs> the New England Patriots averaged 365 a game on offense. The Baltimore Ravens 364.9, a measly 0.6 yards if you went to the defense. And if you went defensive points per game, we all know that's the biggest thing there is defensive points per game. It doesn't matter how many yards you keen 0.9 points per game on defense. The New England Patriots, 19.6. Again, a very measly 0.7 points how close these teams are. Well, you took the words yeah. out of my mouth. It was, it was funny while you started, and I didn't realize where you were going. One of the things I was turning to on my computer were the very statistics you just mentioned, because these two teams are very even. Uh, and, and I did know that. <laughs> but I only knew it because I looked it up. It wasn't off the top of my head. But, but they are very even, both on offense and defense in many ways, not in all categories, but in many ways. Uh, and it's a, you know, it, the Patriots started the week as, I want to say it was a seven and a half point favorite. I think it's down to six now. 
Uh, and, you know, it keeps going down. The betting line impacts it more than anything. So a lot of people look at that and say, oh, yeah, they're saying in Vegas that Baltimore is better. It depends on which side the bets go on. That's what impacts the, the line, not so much that the Patriots are better or Baltimore is better. Now, if a player has a real serious injury, say Gronkowski gets hurt, heaven forbid, uh, that line will change dramatically, obviously. But uh, but these two teams are very even. I don't expect a blowout of any kind. I, I mean, I think this is going to be a close game. But I still think the Patriots are the better team when you look at the entire roster. Uh, and if they play up to their potential, then I think they should win the game, and it shouldn't be a game that counts on that last-minute field goal. And if it does, here's the chance for Steven Gostowski to step in to the role of Adam Vinatieri and, and start taking the Patriots on a roll to the Super Bowl. And, Bob, the Patriots don't just have the better team, but something else we've talked about is that they are a more physical and a tougher team than they've been in recent seasons because sometimes the more talented team loses to a system or a scheme that is just too much for them to overcome. It plays right into their weaknesses, which in years past has happened going up against the Ravens, a team that can generate pressure with four pass rushers, a team that can jam the receivers and throw off the timing. It's just a team that's traditionally been a bad matchup for the Patriots. But this year, the additions made to this New England team has allowed them to become tougher, not only physically, but mentally. And so that's what I think puts them over the top and might even be more significant than just the simple fact that they are the more talented football team. Well, and they're, they're tougher both offensively and defensively. Gronkowski makes a big difference on offense. Uh, people may not think of it this way, but when I look at LaBelle, he's a big guy, and he's full as a receiver, which is why he gets the yards after catch. And the defense, you don't even need to walk down the players to see how much more physical they are. Let me ask you both something. Dan Conley is going to be back. I never thought I'd miss Dan Conley. When the season began, I think we were all thinking he may not even make the team. He is back at on, on, on a line. That solidifies the line that was playing so well uh, in the middle of the season. How much difference does Conley come back, coming back mean? Because in the last few games, they didn't play well. Jeff, what do you think? Well, I'll tell you straight out, I think that Dan Conley coming back is probably the biggest thing for people know that uh, the offensive line at the beginning of the season uh, was a little bit of an issue, especially when they had Jordan Debbie in there and, and, and Marcus they solidified in that Cincinnati Bengals game when they started Brian Stork and they flanked them with Wendell and Conley. Of course, the last few games, they haven't been as well. Conley had been out with uh, you know, he injured that knee against the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers, and ever since that game, they haven't been the same. Bringing Conley back in here is so big is because of that interior of the Baltimore Ravens defense with Haloti Nada, with Chris Canty. Brian Stork is going to need help. He's going to 
need that five people working together to be able to defend not only the outside pass rush of Terrell Suggs and Elvis Dumaville, but allow Tom Brady to be able to make precise, crisp passes. And they're also going to need this offensive line to play together to open up holes for the running whether it be Brandon Bolden, yes, I said it, Brandon Bolden, even though I don't think he's much more than a special teams player. Uh, could it be Jonas Gray stepping up or a Jane Vereen to go out of that shotgun, giving uh, Tom Brady a little extra time to throw and then working things in with rushes uh, on draws and delays? And, of course, so you, Bobby, your same, same thought there. What do you think about Dan Connolly? Yeah, getting him back. The Patriots are once again with the leader of their offensive line. He's also a calming presence for Nate Solder. And the other two players along the interior are, of course, you. Brian Stork has an excellent pedigree. He's a Remington Award winner for the best center in college football. He came from a Florida State team that has an offensive line coach who is hailed as the Dante Scarnecchia of college football. And on the other side, plugging Ryan Wendell in at right guard, which was quite frankly something that at the time I did not see coming has turned out to be a very good move. He is the one who's actually taken on the Logan Mankins role of being that pit bull, that physical player. A lot of times you'll see him instigating stuff or not backing down. He's kind of the personification of the toughness of this offensive line. So whereas Dan Connolly has taken over the leadership role from Mankins, Wendell has taken on the toughness aspect that he brought. And don't forget and Brian other, Stork. Don't forget the, 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 from this I'm past sorry. off season. The other player that really has, again, been an impact on that offensive line is Gronkowski. He's a great blocker. Not only is he a, a, a player that can make the plays offensively down the field, but he has been a key element of the offensive line and their ability to block for Brady, and also when they were running the ball, because Human has not had a good year at tight end. Wright is not a blocker by nature, but Gronk just likes the physical game, and I think that's also a big asset to the offensive line. And you had mentioned Bobby uh, Solder, who I think has had a horrendous year. Uh, players turn him around like a turnstile, but with Conley back. And Wendell and Stork, I think that makes his game better because he does. He knows what the person on the other side of him is going to be doing, and he can focus more on what his role is. Right there, Bob. We are running low on time, and like every end of the Patriots Beat podcast, we'll look at our offense and defensive players' game, keys to the game score. We will go with the old man first, Bob Snowden. Give us your offense and defensive player, your key to the game, and the final score. Well, my offensive player has to be Gronkowski. I've talked about him so much during this show. No one has an ability to stop him one-on-one, and even if he doesn't have a, a ton of catches or yards, if they try doubling him, it's going to free up Edelman. It'll free up LaFell. So I look at Gronk uh, on the offense as, as the key to, to being able to do what they want to do on offense. On defense, you know, I keep flip-flopping on, on 
this defensive unit on who's the most valuable player. I mean, Rivas, obviously, we put on top of the list. Uh, Jamie Collins, who's had a, a great year. Uh, Hightower has, has turned his game up about five notches. And I'm going to say Hightower could be the defensive player of the game uh, because of the multiple roles he plays on defense. Uh, so I'm going to go with Hightower on, on defense. Jeff, I know that we like to go with role players, but both of my key players to the game are much bigger names on offense. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Now, usually that would be a cop-out, but we've seen how he's performed not just in recent playoff games, but against the Baltimore Ravens specifically. He's really struggled, so it's on him to make good decisions, to take care of the football. We've seen him become a more mobile quarterback this year and be able to buy time for his receivers with his feet. He's going to have to stand tall in the pocket. He's going to have to help buy time for these receivers, especially if the pass rush does prove to be too much for the Patriots' offensive line. And defensively, I'm going with another big name in Vince Wilfork, who's going to have to be stout in the middle Big number 75 is going to be primarily responsible for taking away cutback lanes from Justin Forsett, for making sure that he's able to avoid being cut down by these Ravens offensive linemen who are going to be looking to do so all game. He's going to have to prove to be able to solidify the middle throughout this entire contest and not wear down. So those are my two key players to the game. Well, I'm going to go on my key players of the game. My uh, offensive key player is LeGarrette Blount. Out of Blount this this week, and they're going to need it. They're going to need to be able to establish that running game. And last year against the Baltimore Ravens, he did have 76 yards on four downs. While I don't expect the same amount of uh, yardage or uh, or production, I still think that they need LeGarrette Blount to that off of uh, off of Tom Brady this week, this week. On the defensive side of the ball, I look at the two defensive ends. I look at Chandler Jones and I look at Rob Ninkovich. They're going to need to make sure that they cannot bounce any runs outside. Well, guys, we're running real short on time, so Bob Snowden, give me your final score of this game. I think it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game. Um, 24-21 Patriots. I'm going with Bobby, the Patriots I mean, to win this game. I'm going with the Patriots to win this one 27-17. I think it's a physical affair, and the Patriots are able to pull away towards the end. Well, I'm going to sit there and say the Patriots win this one 20 and we'll see what happens, and hopefully they will be moving hey, forward to their third. Yes, sir? You cut out just as you gave your score, at least on my end. Can you repeat your score so I know what you're picking here? 23 to 17, New England Patriots win this one, and hopefully we'll be talking about the AFC Championship game next week. Next week we will be joined by WEEI, Chris Price on the Patriots Beat Program. Join myself after Patriots Beat Saturday night. Have a great week, everyone.